Well, good morning. Welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. You know, sometimes when we come to church, we see these trappings of worship and people gathering. And, you know, we come in one at a time at different moments. And and sometimes it's it's easy to think that what's happening right here in the room is what it's really about. But it's not. Because when you become a Christian, you get introduced to an invisible realm. And what's happening in the invisible realm is more important than what's happening in the physical realm. Because what's happening in the invisible realm is the key to bringing changes to the natural realm. And worship... Worship has the appearance of being melodies and harmonies and pleasing sounds that, that you know, create a great feeling and, and can comfort me and can do this. But it's, it's far more than that. And the significance of worship, the significance of praise is that it engages an invisible realm. That angels begin to move at the sound, not of a particular melody, but at the sound of faith as it comes through sounds and melodies and pianos and, and the shout and the, and the things that you do that are releasing faith. We are here not just to feel better, but to engage heaven, to create an atmosphere that causes us to experience peace. Can you say amen? And so uh, I want to invite you to engage on both levels, on the levels of releasing a melody, releasing a harmony, but more than that, releasing faith that engages heaven. I remember years ago, a prophet from, from Germany who was particularly gifted to see, to see the angelic realm and he would uh, do these events, and he would talk about what he saw in the Spirit. And he said the most tragic thing he ever saw, and he'd go to church after church after church, he said there would be assembled these angels. They were there at the churches, but they were immobilized. They weren't moving. They were waiting for the sound that engaged them for their call. You know, it says in the Bible, in the Psalms, that, that angels hasten to do the word of the Lord. And you think, well, doesn't the word of the Lord come from heaven? No, the word of the Lord comes from heaven, but it has to be released on earth by a people who prophesy, by a people who speak the word of the Lord, who, who speak on earth what has already been spoken in heaven. And angels are engaged by the faith of the body of Christ because Jesus is the head, but we are the body. And my body has to speak what my head wants it to speak, or it never gets spoken. You are the body of Christ. So, enjoy the refreshing presence of the Lord as as the mist of God begins to emerge out of that worship sound. But realize the intent is to advance the kingdom of heaven on earth. Amen? This song, Raise a Hallelujah, was written in the moment of desperate, in, the, in a cause that was desperate, when somebody needed a, a, a healing, a miracle. And a revelation came to this man. 
And he thought, you know, in the midst of this tragic circumstances, I'm going to raise a hallelujah. I'm going to speak the end while we're still at the beginning. I'm going to speak the miracle. I'm going to speak the praise that would normally arise when we're wrapping this thing up. While the battle is still in the midst of, 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 uh, of the fury of it, I'm going to say, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Before I see it with my eyes, I'm going to say, hallelujah. So, Lord, we raise a hallelujah today because you are worthy. And the battle that was already won. Let's raise it up. Come on, let's keep let's keep declaring. Let's keep keep declaring. Let's keep declaring. You might not be in the middle of a storm. But the person to your left and right might be. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, our declaration is like that of Job. And when the voices say, curse God, God is not faithful, we say, no, though I perish, though he slay me, I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. Come on. I will bless the Lord. Faithful. 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 Faithful is the Lord. Lord, open our eyes to see the battle that's going on for faith and lives and marriages and friendships over businesses and families and children over lives, over cancer right now right now, right now we say faithful is the Lord and let the sound of victory go out all over this community In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And if you're going through a warfare right now, just lift your hands and just begin to say, you are faithful. You are faithful, oh God. If you're watching on the video, if you're looking at the live stream right now, and if you are surrounded by darkness, if you are surrounded by depression, if you are surrounded by a desire to quit, a desire to leave your faith, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, the faith of this body, the faith of this worship is warring on your behalf right now, wherever you sit. In the name of Jesus, may you begin to be cocooned, cocooned, cocooned in light. Faithful is God. Lord, we release wave after wave after wave of light and encouragement, the power of the resurrected Christ in the name of Jesus. As I'm hearing that sound, that sound right there, I'm seeing pictures of all these science fiction movies we've seen where ships have these 
these fields of light that cocoon around them. And I just, I just see this field of power, preserving shield of power coming down. Lord, we say, let heaven, let heaven, let the power of light, let the power of life descend, beginning on the lives right here, but not limit to the lives in this room. Come, descend, kingdom of heaven. Now, I know this morning that there are many needs represented here. And we had some sent in. But you might be here and you might be representing somebody that has a desperate need today. And I want you to come and stand right here in the middle. Make a semicircle around, semicircle. And if you are representing or you have a need, I want you to come and stand right here in the middle of us. Do you know when, uh, when the centurion came to Jesus, he said, listen... I've got a servant. I've got a servant. And uh, he needs help. And Jesus said, all right, I'll come. He said, no, you don't need to come. Because there's no time and space with God. I mean, the fact that the centurion saw that was an amazing thing. But he said, I haven't seen faith like this anywhere. We are not separate from what's going on in Iraq. We are not separate from what's going on in Pakistan. We are not separate from what's going on in eastern Canada. We are not separate from what's going on in your life or the lives that you are standing for. And right now, right now, just join with me in faith. Father, in the name of Jesus. If there's somebody else, Gavin, I want you to pray after me. Father, in the name of Jesus. 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 Come on, let's push in for these ones. Father, we believe. We join with their faith. Father, in the name of Jesus, we contend. We contend. We break the power of witchcraft. We break the power of the shadows. We break the power of discouragement. We break the power of disillusionment. We break the power of everything that raises up against the knowledge of God. In the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we stand here, we stand here faithfully looking towards you, Lord, the author, the perfecter, Lord, your Holy Spirit descend upon us, Lord, so that there would be deliverance in our land, there would be healing in our land, there would be salvation upon our communities, in our families, Lord, as we stand, each of us stand for someone or stand for ourselves, Lord Jesus, We believe, Lord, we believe that there will be deliverance, 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 Lord. Lord, we have waited, we have waiting, we've waited, and today, Lord, we just believe, we just believe in your resurrection power that's going to come, Lord. We're tired of, of, of worrying and walking in this darkness, Lord Jesus. Your deliverance is coming in our families, in our communities, in our region, Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, as we think of those people that we are standing for today in the gap, Lord, we believe in that breakthrough right now, right now, that breakthrough. 
that breakthrough in marriage, that breakthrough in family, that breakthrough in our neighbors, Lord Jesus, that they would just turn, turn and repent and repent, Lord, and look towards you, the author and the perfecter. Oh, Lord Jesus, that's all it is, is that they would turn and look towards you, our heavenly Father, and there would be deliverance on the land. Holy Father, we believe that. And so, Lord, we see that. We see that. We proclaim it. We declare it. And so, Lord Jesus, we see that happening, Lord. And so, Lord, let it be. Let it be. In Jesus' name. Now, I want us to do something that requires humility and faith. But in your spirit and out of your innermost being comes power. There's power inside of you. You may not realize that. You may not know that. But there's power inside of you. And when Israel was facing the, ma- the first major stronghold in their, the land that they were meant to own, God said to them, you know, the enemy's not just going to lay down. So I want you to go in and uh, you're going to go around the city, Jericho, so many times. And the last day they went around seven times. And at the end they shouted, And I'm not going to teach on the power of the shout this morning. But there's something in the shout of faith. There's something in the release. When you release something with all your strength, with all your heart, with all your emotion, uh, there's something that breaks. And I want want us to do that on behalf of the enemy. Have you ever seen a, a, a dog creeping up on a child? Have you ever seen a dog trying to... You know, that a rabid dog or a coyote coming after? Imagine they're coming after your kids. Would you, uh, what would you do? Would you run? Would you shout? Would you stamp your foot? In the spirit, this is what we do. This is what we do. Can, can you say amen? amen. When, when Jesus called Lazarus, he said with a loud voice, come forth. With a loud voice. I'm going to count to three, and I want us to shout. And I want you to see the reverberations of power going out to every situation, to every life, to everyone that is shackled, to everyone that has, that has dogs biting at their heels. And you are saying, no, not on my watch. One, two, three. Amen. Let's celebrate God. So we're going to transition right away, but I want us to sing the bridge of this song again. The words there, you, you, you opened a way for me to walk right through it. You know, God did that for Israel through the Red Sea, and God that does that for us. But, you know, he, he's called us to do that now for others. What he did for you, you have to do for others. And the way that God has constructed the church is we're not just calling on God to do things, but 
we are endued. We are ambassadors of a kingdom. We, we, are, we are given authority to make a way. You know, Paul said to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. And if evangelist opens a way, opens a door, everything that we do as we're following the Lord opens a door for somebody else. And so as we're declaring this, let's keep this in mind that even though he opened a door for us, we're not being passive here. We're opening a door for others through the church. The manifold wisdom of God is being made known to principalities and powers. That's one more time. You split the sea. Just before we transition, I want Gavin to come. He's got a little testimony. Gavin and Melody, such a wonderful part of our body. But, you know, they really do the work of an evangelist. And not just an evangelist. I love these guys. You know, they're, they're the kind of folks that they're not waiting, you know, for ministry to come to them. They are ministry. They are ministry. Thank you, Lord. So I just wanted to bring something that, uh, you know, last night I got invited to a bonfire, Melody and I and our family to, uh, in our community. And, you know, the whole part of it is we are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation set apart. And so that we would just not just be that in this body, in this place, in this church, but we would be that outside these walls, obviously. And literally, as, you know, I'm, I'm in this bonfire, there's people starting to confide because they know who Melody and I are. Like, they know we're, we're, we're followers of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, people, I mean, I'm sure you've, you've felt this before. People stop swearing around you. People stop doing things that normally they do because the Holy Spirit is within us. But not only that, it's the deliverance, the healing, and the salvation that we carry that literally I'm standing there last night and there's divorce about to happen and there's death that has just happened and people are, you know, they're crying and they're, they're asking, like, they're running out of their own strength and it's running out. And yet we, as a kingdom of priests and a holy nation set apart, are only getting started. It's like we have that strength. And that we are pillars in the temple to administer the word of God. And however it looks, I mean, it's obviously not going to look like that thing that we're doing here, on, right here on the altar. But it, we carry that and we can speak and have those relationships. And so I just encourage the body that that's who we are in your workplace, in your schools, in your neighborhoods. That that's the ministry of reconciliation we have in our heart to, to bring that salvation, to bring that deliverance, and bring that healing. So just thank you, body. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Father, we thank you that today is the day that you have made. And Lord, even as you wrote in your word so many years ago through the Apostle John that the true light is already shining and the darkness is passing away, we say that today is a day that is brighter than yesterday. And so, God, in the name of Jesus, we refuse to accept defeat. We refuse to accept the notion that darkness is getting stronger. It is a lie. It is a deception. 
Thank you, God, that we have never lived in a brighter day than this day. And that the brightness of your glory on your children is rising and continuing to rise and will not abate until the full day. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to talk about a couple of things. I, I, uh, I want to reference, to begin with, the battle for Canada and, um, and, and also the movie Unplanned. But the battle for Canada, I mean, uh, I shared here recently, and I think there was a, um, a devotional that went out from the battle for Canada with, with the message. I can't remember which one they released. But, but you know, that the, uh, the, the church... The church has the power to create a new day. Father, I pray right now, God, that we would step into the moment that we're in. Uh, you know, we, we, we don't know sometimes as Christians what it is we're facing. But in the same way Russ never sleeps, you know, the enemy doesn't stop advancing. You know, we'd, we'd like to say, okay, all right, now that, oh, I'm glad that's done. I'm glad, I'm glad we've won the battle. Well, it's not done. It's not done until the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And so we can't make our goal something, some kind of plateau of happiness, some kind of plateau of, well, you know, once I get my marriage and my three kids and my white picket fence, I mean, that's really the line that I'm going for. No, I mean, we, we, we just can't do that. And I mean, in fact, Israel was rebuked for having that attitude. And their attitude was, you know, when we came into the, we're coming into the promised land, they were like, okay, let's, let's stop right here because now we're free. And God's saying, no, that, that never was the objective. Your freedom is not the standard by which I'm operating. Your freedom is the first domino in many dominoes. And, and if, you, if you step out of your place, if you are not the domino that you need to be in that moment, then you have missed your purpose. And so often, one of the things that happens, like Israel, we seem to settle for the option of personal freedom. That, oh, now my life is pretty decent. Now we'll just hold on until we're 70 or 80, you know, or whatever it is. You know, we'll just status quo from this point on. No, the kingdom of God is always advancing. And if you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, you have to be a part of a force that's always advancing. And, uh, and so the battle for Canada is speaking about a moment that we're in. 50 years ago, something changed in our nation. Our prime minister said, all right, this is a time when the government should get out of the bedrooms of the country. And so certain things were legalized. And now those things that were legalized that you know the government was no longer involved in are, are now on our, on our money. Right? So... Did the government really get out of the business of the bedrooms or is now the government advancing the business of the bedrooms? Why did they do that? Because the church believed that there was some middle ground, that there was some compromises, that there was something reasonable about this argument. 
And so there's a battle that we're facing right now, and it's a battle about truth and error. It's about a battle about life and death. It's a battle about what works and what doesn't work. And so there's a number of things that are converging together. And as you know, we're, we're planning to show the movie Unplanned, which was, I mean, it's a, it, was a, it was a huge thing to be doing here. It hasn't been released in Canada. And, uh, and so the showing it here is significant. We had to go through a number of legal hoops. The Expo Center was, uh, you know, hesitant about showing it and they didn't want to, so we had to change the wording from public to private to showing, you know, because, you know, who knows, all these legends. Then we had, it, had to have it rated in Alberta because if you didn't have it rated in Alberta, it couldn't be shown. And so that's a three-week process, but we only had like five, six days to do it. So, Frank, uh, fortunately, we, we got favor, and it was rated. Oddly enough... The movie about abortion is rated 14A, you know, disturbing content, which is odd because, you know, there's some people that are trying to get you to the place where you can have an abortion as a minor without even consulting your parents, but you can't go to a movie about abortion without your parents. Isn't that funny how that works? So, but here's what's happening. Because of the increase of light... Something is shifting in this area. The veneer is coming off this this, uh, industry of death, this industry of violence and destruction that somehow people just thought it was okay. I mean, if any single person who is pro-abortion could actually witness from the standpoint of that child being, being torn apart in their mother's womb, literally. I mean, the horror of it is it's absolutely horrific. And, and what kind of dullness comes over the mind of a mother to think that this is perfectly acceptable? Like, it is a darkness. This is not a political discussion. It's not even really a moral discussion. It is a battle between life and death. And, but something is shifting in our land. Something is shifting so that it's, it's, it's like an awakening, you know. It is literally like an awakening. When I read spiritual uh, materials like, you know, in, in Rick Joyner's book, The Final Question, the challenge that was there right at the beginning of the book is, is how do you awaken a people from a kind of a, a, a slumber? Kind of a, you know, semi-conscious state to awaken to reality when they can't even perceive what it is that's happening around them, that, that, that they're so unaware that just the voice of somebody saying, wake up, they start to draw their weapons. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what, it, what it's like when you're in a spiritual slumber. Remember the, uh, that scene in the movie, I can't remember the names of the characters or anything, but, but in the movie um, Lord of the Rings, when the king of, Theoden, when the king of that land, you know, he, he was under witchcraft and he was like catatonic. You know, he was semi-awake, but not really. And this, the warlock is sat in there next to him and, and uh, you know, there's a curse. There's witchcraft at work. He is lulled into slumber and is not really cognizant of what's going on around him. That is a perfect picture of what happens when the righteous lay down their weapons and go catatonic. But there's an awakening happening. 
there's a trumpet sound that is waking up a people with the realization that, listen, we have been asleep long enough and the enemy is now literally at the gate. Literally at the gate. I mean, it could be. If this continues, Christians will be put in jail within years. You will be put in jail for voicing your faith. I mean, we're right at the tipping point where the Bible is almost illegal. Do you know that? I mean, how long will we stay silent? How long are we going to sit on the sidelines hoping that we're going to make it through to retirement? Is that really the goal? As long as I make it. (laughs) You know, what was it, the King Hezekiah? Was it King Hezekiah? Man, it's a, I wasn't even meaning to talk about this, but King Hezekiah, man, you know, the, the, the nation is slipping into darkness, and, and the prophet comes to him and says, you're going to die. And out of self-preservation, he humbles himself, cries out to God, and the, the prophet is still in the courtyard, and, the, and, he, and the Lord speaks to the prophet, says, turn around, go back, tell him he's got 15 more years. He goes back, and he says, he says, okay. It's not going to happen in your day. It's going to happen in your son's day. Whoo! What a relief! Right? What is that if not catatonic spiritual slumber? Right? I mean, how many of us are caught up in some part of that, and that's why I love the sound of the voice of the evangelist that's shaking the, you know, the bell, waking us up. Listen, your neighbors are dying. Right. And go back a few years ago to some Keith Green songs. Do you care? Do you care? Are you going to let them die? And the chorus is, you know, Jesus rose from the grave and you can't even get out of bed. Something like that. Well, uh, that's a little legalistic, isn't it? Well, it depends on what side of the equation you're sitting, I suppose. (laughs) Do we have a mandate? Do we have a call? Is there a trumpet sound? Is there a rallying blaze running, stirring, awakening our hearts to say, this far and no further. In the words of Jean-Luc Picard. Right? Another movie reference, you may not know it. A little less famous than uh, some of the others, but... <laughs> anyway. So we are, we are part of, of something. And, you know, it's interesting, and I, I don't want to talk about this too much, but let me just mention it. I, uh, I love this. To me, this Facebook post, it was, uh, I can't remember, the, the old Candyman guy. What's that guy's name? He died a few years ago. The original Candyman. No, oh, no. After him. Yeah, Gene Wilder. Gene, Gene Wilder. And there's this post, and he's kind of got this nonchalant. He's got the funny hat and everything. And it says, oh, you, you're being annoyed at my political posts. Well, by all means, show me another picture of your dinner. <laughs> I run into Christians all the time who say, well, I don't do politics. 
Let me just set the record straight. Yes, you do. By your absence, somebody just replaces your voice with their voice. But politics is simply the forum where what is right and wrong is discussed in a practical way, determining policy and laws by which you will be forced to live next year or the year after or the year after. So you are involved, but you may not realize the significance of this realm. And you may, you, you know, part of what's happening, that, yeah, but this is about right and wrong. This is about values. Who more than Christians should be convinced about right and wrong, life and death? In fact, I was, I got another message coming. But it'll, it'll be foreshadowed in an article that's coming out tomorrow morning. It's called A Time for War. I would encourage you to read it and share it. But I talk about the political spirit because Because we are actually, and you may not realize this, but we have come from a place where we've been wrestling with a religious spirit. And the church has actually made tremendous gains against the religious spirit. But we're by no means finished. But a lot of the ground that our fathers fought, you know, about getting rid of the organ and having a piano. that That was a major battleground some years ago, but it was fought. Drums in a church. Drums in a church. You've got to be kidding. How sacrilegious. It was a religious battle. Dance. (laughs) Lifting your hands. Shouting. Listen. We're not done. We're not done advancing in that realm. But the religious spirit has largely been hampered. What's that word? uh, Hamstrung by the advance of the church in recent years. But there's another spirit on the horizon that we are coming into conflict with right now. Why am I talking about conflict with spirits? Because we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against people. We're not against people. Even people that are bound, even people that hate us, we're we're not against them. If you are against them, you know, check your heart. But we are against the principalities and powers that advance certain bodies of knowledge that are destructive and who make laws and policies and and statutes that further those things and bind and bring the nations into corruption. Pure religion is remaining undefiled from the corruption of the world, right? And so we're moving in this way. But there uh, uh, there is something around this conflict with this spirit that's coming up. And I even, I can feel the movement of that, that, that atmosphere. And so in Jesus' name, I want to say right now, God, thank you what you're doing to make us immune to the accusations of the political spirit. And the political spirit, you know one of the main things and why it survives so, so well in this, in this nation? It's because there's a connection with politeness that is in our culture that actually seduces us. Politeness and politics are actually two things that go together. They come from the same root. And, uh, and I, I couldn't, we were looking at some of the Greek and some of the, some of the Latin basis of that. But it actually has to do with city, people, and, uh, and, and this connection to politeness. But, but politics is the art of being polite, yet still winning the day. All right? And the reason why the political left seems to excel with, with this is because they can smile and, and, and drop a dagger in your heart at the same time. 
And so when they say to you, well, you should be nicer, somehow we're immobilized by that. Oh, because we're, you know, we think, we think politeness is the preeminent thing, niceness. It isn't. We have been immobilized by a political spirit to pretend that there isn't a life and death struggle. We are at the cusp of an existential battle right now. The battle for Canada going on this week is a call. It is a call. Not to, not to go against any particular group, but to call out to God. God, we, we invite your presence back in the nation. We're here to repent. We're here to say, God, forgive us for, being, for slumbering. Forgive us for being preoccupied with a little morsel of ground that is immediately at the bottom of our, of our, of our vision. Like, you know, me, this far and no further. As long as it doesn't touch this, that's all that really matters. The kingdom of God was advanced in this nation because people realized that it was on them to advance them. People realize that if I don't do it, it won't get done. That I have a responsibility. I could, I could go into some of this, I mean, I, but I wanted to talk about something else related to this, but... But uh, some of the dynamics, I guess we, sometimes we don't understand how faith merges with your posture in the community. But uh, I love the, the, the testimony that was given earlier. We're surrounded with people that are hurt and broken, and they may not even know we have the answers. And maybe sometimes we're embarrassed because we're not living out those answers in the way that we should be. And that's something that could be remedied. But... But we are engaged in something, whether we like it or not. And the battle for what is truth cannot be divorced from your stand in the community, from your stand politically, from your stand morally, from your stand you know, in terms of how you relate to the social circles of the world around us. And our most significant aim is not being accepted. Our significant aim is to establish a sphere of righteousness that's based on what is actually true. Are you with me? Okay, so we had this great announcement for for this um, Parkland Wellness Center. I love that. What is the Parkland Wellness Center? To me, it's, it's channels. We're establishing... You know, there's this prophetic picture when Elisha was in the wilderness. He's going to battle. And they ran out of water, and there was, uh, I think there was three nations coming together, three kings, and, and they called the prophet, and he said, you know, I don't know what he was doing there in their midst because he wasn't supportive of the war, but he was there anyway. <laughs> you know, I, I always wonder, well, what was Elisha doing, you know, <laughs> there? You know, he's just coming along and saying, hey, what, where are you guys going? I think I'll go with you. You know, there are thousands of them march up. Anyway, they find themselves in this wilderness. There's no more water. They're starving. And they, they said, uh, you know, they said, can you prophesy? I said, well, I don't really want to because I don't agree with this. But, you know, you got this one guy in King that I respect him. So for his sake, I'll, I'll prophesy. And he, and, he, and he says to them, in, out of the prophetic word, he says, dig ditches. And when they dig ditches, then during the night, those, those ditches become filled with water. And so there are two elements to, to touching the community. One is digging ditches. It is creating systems that enable 
the lost, the dying, the hurting to come. And the second is the water. You know, and this is the this is the 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 little the harder part. How do how do we give living water to people who may not know that's what they came for, who may not know that's what they actually need, who may not want living water? Well, on one level, you know what, you're going to be minimal of minimal assistance to people who don't want living water. But that's 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 a, that's another issue. But we are here to bring living water. So here's what I want to say. How does, how does this effort differ from social services? Right? How, do, how, does, uh, how, does, how does what we do differ from any other good effort that's going on in the community that has some practical benefit? Is there, is there a significant difference between the one and the other? And how do we quantify? How do we explain? How do we represent that difference? Anybody ever have that question? No. no? I know Brian has, but I'm not sure anybody else has. Anyway, let me read, let me read a couple of passages. Um, in 1 John 3, 8, there's this, uh, I'll read it. It says this. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. It's First John 3, 8. I remember years ago hearing a pastor speak about that or a prophetic leader. I can't remember who it was exactly. But they started to frame, they started to frame this idea that, that the kingdom of God, Christianity, the church, what we are about is about manifestation. Our goal and the reason we exist is to manifest Jesus. Why? Because according to the pattern that's set out, this scripture is like there's a template in it. It's not necessarily, the meaning of the scripture is not maybe to, to actually just isolate that template, but it certainly references, and this is, this is the template. The, the, the works of darkness are only destroyed by the manifestation of Jesus. In other words, you can't coddle darkness into resignation. You can't, you can't you know, love it to death. You can't... You can't feed it. You can't service it. You can't. Only the manifestation of Jesus destroys darkness. You can't reason with it. You can't counsel it out. The manifestation of Jesus. Well, then why are we counseling? Because Christian counseling is not just about counseling. It's about manifesting Jesus in the context of counseling. What you have is the activity of counseling, and that's the, that's the ditch. And the manifestation of Jesus is the thing that causes it. Well, uh, will they know the difference? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they know the difference. It's the question is, do you know the difference? A friend of mine uh, runs an accounting firm, and, and his accounting firm is connected to this other firm right across the country. And he, he, he is a faith man. He is a kingdom man. And, and, but he's just doing accounting. You know, how can accounting be particularly Christian? Well, it can't be per se, Except that when he does it, because his whole being emanates light. You know, how can you be a Christian real estate broker by being Christian and releasing light? Every word you say, if you are born again Christian, you're led by the Spirit. When you speak, even if you're talking about something as mundane as real estate, there is a spirit of life and revelation in what you say. You're actually, you can be manifesting Jesus 
Or you could just be talking about real estate. Our aim is to manifest Jesus, whether we're talking about hockey or accounting or counseling. But there's this thing. He, I remember when he was talking to me about his company, he said, yeah, this, this, this body of uh, across Canada, they actually have two sets of books every year because the books they use is to track, you know, what the different... Uh, it's kind of like franchises or associations. What's, what the different offices, how, how good they're doing. He said, he said, mine does so much more business and is so much more profitable than any of the other offices that when they do the books at the end of the year, they do one set that includes me and one set that doesn't include me because I skew the numbers so badly that in order to get a proper analysis of how they're doing nationally, they have to exclude me. That's what the kingdom of God is meant to be in our midst. Because you can have all these social services, all these, all these efforts to help people and help, you know, and take care of this need and, and whatever. But then you can have one that stands out above the others. Why? Because it's not just counseling. It's not just people who have a heart to help. It is a manifestation of Jesus. And the proof at the end of the day that it's a manifestation of Jesus and the degree to which a man, it is a manifestation of Jesus, it begins to rise above the others. In the same way, Isaiah 2 says, the mountain of the Lord's house in the latter days will rise and it will be above all the other mountains. So at the end of the day, we're not just trying to be another social service enterprise. We're just trying to manifest Jesus. But we're trying to do it in the context that gives us a connection with the community. So, still the question remains unanswered. (laughs) How do you do that? Well, I'm not sure I can answer that today. I've been answering it for 15 years. If you've been here. (laughs) And we're still moving, but we're moving towards it. We're moving towards this. Because ultimately, it's the manifestation of Christ that we want. And he makes the distinction. This is why the cry of Moses' heart, when they were sending him up, and God was mad, he said, "You, you go up, I'm not going with you. He said, God, how will we be distinguished from every other people if your presence does not go with us? So the distinction is his presence. And so to that end, our prayer is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I referenced this uh, last week, and how am we doing? Oh, man, it's 12 o'clock already. I haven't even gotten into my... <laughs> Let me just, I'll just say this part, and then we'll, we'll have to wind it down. I know people got Mother's Day things going on. I got Mother's Day things going on, and I don't even have a mother. <laughs> last week... We're talking about this, this thing. I'd been talking with our, our friend Mike Masson. And, um, but there's this difference between, you know, because we, we, people have struggled with this. And I remember, you know, when we're talking about we're in a prayer meeting or something and, and, and we say, Lord, come, Lord, come. And, and sometimes, you know, people get a little legalistic. And somebody said, well, you know, God is always here. You don't have to ask him to come. And I said, okay, thanks for that. 
It's sort of a, a very superficial, naive kind of view of this because, you know why? Because God is not the same in every place and every moment as he is in other places. Have you ever had a moment when God's presence is more real than another moment? Okay, that means he came. Well, how do I I rationalize that? Well, you could try and rationalize it if you want, but this is the issue. It's about appearing. It is about manifestation. Uh, what What we do, what the church is called to do, is to manifest him. You know, there's an element of God where he knows all and sees all, but he's not equally displaying his glory in every place at the same time. So we're praying, Lord, your kingdom come on earth. Let me see. Is there a measuring stick we can use to say in this manner come? Hmm. What do you think? I jest, obviously. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And what we see through those different prophetic moments in Scripture, that there is this manifestation of God in heaven that keeps the angels and the beings around the throne in continuous awe of him day and night, that the slightest flutter, the slightest ripple in his robe, the slightest movement, the twitch of a finger, the gaze of the eye, you know, the, 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 the shaking of it. I mean, just waves of unbelievable majesty flow out of him. Yeah, not always happening here that way. So what are we doing? We are called to bridge the gap between this and that. Well, how do we do that? By faith. By faith. Can you manifest him? Well, why is that my job? Sorry, it just is. Elijah is facing this scourge on his land, this religious idolatry in the form of Baal worship. It's consumed the land. The highest echelons of the government are inculcated in this persecution has arisen, the prophets are hiding, and he, he's, he's like, okay, enough is enough. Wow. And they have the confrontation on Mount Hermon, I think it is, Mount Carmel, Mount Carmel, and the, the confrontation is about manifestation. Yeah. Make no mistake about it. Yeah. Wherever you go, the other gods are manifesting either in philosophies or knowledge or atmosphere or intimidation or or whatever it is that causes you to not be able to manifest your God, they are manifesting your God. And the battle between one kingdom and another is always the battle of manifestation. And so what's church about? Church is Sunday morning, Wednesday night, whenever we meet together, it is God. Manifest yourself. God, come. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. The Spirit and the Bride say, appear. And all of the elements, whether it's worship or intercession or the prophetic or, or you know, decrees or manifestations of love or service or, you know, care to the lost and dying. All of these things are the same in this sense. They are meant to be a manifestation of Jesus. 
And when they cease to be a manifestation of Jesus, then they cease to be a dynamic of the kingdom. And I'll share this one illustration. William Booth was a man. He was a general. He understood that this conflict between light and darkness, this conflict as poverty and and destruction is overcoming cities. This is a spiritual battle. And so he created something called the Salvation Army. And they literally marched into cities. And when they marched into cities, they were known for who they were. And they were pelted with rotten tomatoes and all kinds of things. But they came in with worship, and they came in with a goal to manifest Jesus. How many of you think that the Salvation Army, in all of its expressions, is doing the same thing today? Not quite. Is it still useful? For sure. Anybody who gets a banana that needs a banana is helped. But is that a manifestation of Christ? Probably not. So there are forms of godliness and there's manifestations of Jesus. We are called to manifest Jesus. Whatever training you're involved in in the church... It is to prepare you through your prayer, through your worship, through your service, through your humility, through your stand in the community, through your letter writing, through your giving of gifts, through your counsel, through whatever you do is to manifest Jesus. And you're looking for him, for that dynamic of his presence, of his anointing, to make a distinction between you and just people who are nice. So, Father, I pray today... You would, Father, that we help us, Holy Spirit, find that capacity for which we were born to manifest Jesus. God, we are tired of trying to counsel manifestations of darkness. We are, we are try, tired of trying to coddle evil, trying to consult with evil. Father, we want a manifestation of Jesus that destroys the works of the evil one. Holy Spirit. Help us to be a part of this for our day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have to cut it.